can't do my my father just did so good and whatnot. I made my but he put the brute in his room. That's where they put all the cologne. They put it in their top drawer and just sit it in there and just keep piling up every Christmas. And then you go steal a cologne when you're like 16 and going on your first date and start dousing your body in the shit. You say, hey, I'm going to do my first date. find out how bad it burns when you put cologne on your private parts, right? <laughs> this is the 70s versus the 80s podcast. This is the podcast for you if every time you hear that Old Spice whistling, you think about semen rolling down your harbor town. What, what did I say there? What, what? Well, I think you know what I mean. And today we are going to be talking Old Spice versus Brute versus High Karate. And we'll be starting out with that. And then we're going to talk a little Bowen Luke Duke versus Coy and Vance Duke. Basically, we'll be talking everything Duke's a hazard there. And followed that up by we will do some a song from 1972 versus 1982. So 50 years versus 40 years ago. And uh, you can guess along with us to figure out what songs it is. Again, this is the 70s versus 80s podcast. I am Mike. And I am... Today I am joined by always by my co-host Jim, and Jim sounds like this. Michael, you almost tore my dick off on that jump. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, kid. <laughs> and we are also joined by our longtime contributor. I was going to call him our coy advance, but he's actually our cooter. He's our our third honorary Duke boy. And he, I think he knows more about vehicles than Cooter, as you're going to hear in today's episode. It is Brian, and Brian sounds like this. It's like, uh, American Pie, the song, is about, and then A was the death of Buddy Holly. Well, that makes sense. It could be. B was the loss of innocence of an entire generation. Yeah, you can see that. Or then C was five minutes too long. <laughs> so... Folks, let's get into the commercials now, shall we? Wake up. Wake up with Old Spice and feel the freshness of the open sea. Wake up with Old Spice. Feel the spray on your face and the wind. So there we are, guys. What do you, you guys remember that one? I don't. I, I remember Old Spice where it was a sailor, like he comes into dock, he's got his Old Spice, and he's walking then along the streets of San Francisco, and he throws up a bottle of Old Spice to this couple looking over, and then the woman gives her nodding approval, and then he, the sailor keeps walking, all of a sudden he's like in the middle of Kansas or something, and there's a white picket fence, and he's like this old barn, he throws it into an old guy, and he's shaking his head yes, and it's just like, how you know, this sailor likes to walk, apparently. <laughs> if if he's got to go that far when he gets gets to shore, um, but the, yeah, the sailor motif it was kind of funny as a as a kid. Yeah, if he's going to do all that walking, he he's got to have something that smells better than him. So, <laughs> um, you know, I like how back in those days they they still used a lot of imagery in commercials. You know, their feel the you know they they use so many adjectives that that conjured up this imagery they don't have to do that anymore because they dumb down our you know everything that comes into our ears today has been dumbed down to a point where you don't even have to think about it anymore they just buy this buy this buy this they don't you know try to conjure anything tiktok length of uh just blasting you with something exactly and uh or youtube and then it's a, the big rumor, I, I don't know if it's, it was that commercial, but for most of the 70s, the actor was John Bennett Perry, which ended up being Matthew Perry's father. I did not know that. Did not. You can kind of see it in the eyes a little bit. They look a little bit the same, yeah. In the, in the high karate ones or in the brute? Old Spice guy, the whistling guy. Or, the, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. I didn't, I never knew that. Okay. Maybe that. Maybe that that's why he, his son has been doomed to um, poor acting roles his, his entire life. I was not a yep. friend. I mean, I just could not understand how that show was 
mean, I get it. You know, they're appealing to, to you know, girls younger than us. But, my God, that was a bad show. <laughs> so, yeah, Matthew Perry's dad's like, son, you're doomed to a lifetime of bad roles because I was the whistling guy in the Old Spice commercials. Mm-hmm. Um, for years, we had watched Friends when it first came out, and we had a pair of recliners sitting next to each other, my wife and I, and we call them our Joey and Chandler chairs. <laughs> um, not thinking that the kids didn't understand what that was. So then um, the kids got TVs in their room, and my daughter started watching Friends because they're in reruns like at night. So like between 11 and when she'd go to bed, she'd watch Friends reruns. All of a sudden, one morning, she comes out, and she's like, now I know why you call them the Joey and Chandler chairs. So she must have saw the episode where they first got their chairs. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and the, Yeah, that show, uh, Friends, was... Uh... Like you said, it's kind of um. Sometimes it's I'll put it on in the background, and sometimes it's unwatchable, like Jim said. And sometimes I go, "Oh, this is better than I thought." So it's I don't know, I don't know what the deal is with it, but yeah. It depends who wrote the episode, I think. But well, right, because some are just so blat, you know, blatantly predictable. Even if you haven't seen it in forever, where it's just like it's unwatchable, like like Mike said. Um, and some shows, though, if you haven't watched them for a while, when they're fantastic and you've kind of forgotten about, it, you're like, "Oh, this is." great um but yeah friends is like you said it's it can, it's, it's background clutter noise yeah it, and you know it, can, sleep to it, it can be it can be predictable if it's at least funny i mean make it at least funny but they could never do both at once okay thanks for your honest opinions on old spice guys uh let's talk some brute now once i hurt my knee trying to make a tackle a lot of people thought i shouldn't have been trying to make well let me tell you if you put that uniform on you're supposed to be a football player, and you've got to be ready to go all the way. That's just the way I am. I guess that's why I use Brute. I like the smell. I like the way it works, the way it lasts. Brute by Fabergé. After the game, after anything, Brute goes all the way. If you're not going to go all the way, man, I mean, why go at all? Joey, that so, was Joey Namath we just heard there. What do you guys... Is there anything more symbolic of the 70s as a decade that we're looking back at it now as adults and we can see all the double innuendos you know i i've like this commercial is like a double innuendo thon with joe namath representing the, the 70s and double innuendos it's oh, just come on i think i think joe was just giving an after game interview there i think he was pretty <laughs> <laughs> oh so go all the way was a football term yeah exactly <laughs> and it had no other meaning yeah. As a you know four and five year old, when you'd see it, you know on the you know when you're watching Monday Night Football or whatever, yeah, okay, but yeah, no. I, <laughs> Double I just, innuendo-thon. I just wish Double. in that commercial he would have been wearing his fur coat because I know in one of the commercials he's wearing his fur coat, and that's just oh, so. Oh, that fur coat. Oh, that's a '70s baller move. But the thing I like about Brute by Fabergé is uh. How baller was it? They have a their label was a gold or a silver medallion hanging around the neck of the bottle. <laughs> I mean, that is so baller. Yeah, compared yeah. to the Old Spice, um, like you know, the mass of a sailing ship, where it's just, <laughs> yeah, you smell like the sea. He looked like uh, in that fur coat. He looked like Ben Ben Mendelsohn from uh, what movie did he did he wear that big coat? Uh, the the one where Leonardo DiCaprio got clawed by a bear, or was it or the Oh, was the, it Revenant? the Revenant? The Revenant, yeah. Or, yeah. or was it old? I can't remember, but Ben Middleton had that big fur coat on, that ridiculous fur coat. Um, he, You know, Joe Namath, I don't know if you guys remember this, but about 10 years ago he got plastered and he was on the sidelines trying to grope, I think it was Michelle Foy or something like that. Susie Colbert. And, uh, pardon me? Susie Colbert. Super, yeah. And so he had to dry out, and he dried out, and now he's got a resurgence going. I mean, down here, he's on TV every day doing a commercial for something. I don't remember what it is now. Oh, yeah, the um, the the free medical benefits commercial. I don't know if they show it there, but he's doing it yes. here. Yes, Medi- uh, like a Medicare supplement thing. Yeah. If you live in certain zip codes, you can, yeah. I'm, I'm like, how about that? Broadway Joe is still getting work. What, well, and you, you know, guys he are... was at an age in the 70s that he would be at the age where people in his peer group need medicare benefits we can be like tom Sel- tom Selleck doing that commercial for reverse mortgages that's like 
Did you imagine oh, yeah. you'd ever see that? Would then Wilfred Brimley die? <laughs> oh, did he die? I don't know, but it's like he had oh. been doing some of those commercials too. He got awfully demanding with that diabetes commercial he was on. He said, you check your blood sugar. You check it often. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I, gonna, I want to. Thank you. Do you guys remember the TV move, made for TV movie Joe Namath was in where he's in a motorcycle gang? I should have looked that up. No, but that guys, might be better than watching Friends one night. I don't know if Can it was better than Tom the Brian. Brady doing that? What's that? <laughs> Can you imagine Tom Brady doing that? A quarterback. CC and the hyperbaric chamber at night. It was CC and the company CC Rider, is what it's called. Oh, it's his well, number. Not to be confused with CC and the Dixie Dance Kings or whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. You guys don't remember that? Well, Brian Bosworth. I don't. Brian Bosworth also had what was it? Blue Steel, where he was in a motorcycle movie. Oh too. yeah. Oh, he, well, he was in the '80s, right? So yeah. Yeah. So we might have to review those in a future episode. Those two. <laughs> He had that mullet Bosworth did. So ridiculous. Bosworth had the biggest, you know, falling back to earth moment ever when he just got flat done run over by Bo Jackson. <laughs> he sure did. All right, and then here's our last commercial. How about a movie Hi. tonight, huh? Wow, what's that aftershave you're wearing? God. You high karate aftershave is so powerful. It drives women right out of their minds. That's why we have to put instructions on self-defense in every package. High Karate, the brisk splash-on aftershave that smooths and soothes and cools. High Karate, aftershave, cologne, and gift sets. High Karate, be careful how you use it. Uh, yikes, that one had a lot of acting in it. That was a big production value. <laughs> I remembered the commercials. I had forgotten the... I, I had, Forgotten the fragrance, like really high karate. It, it, it really didn't register me that as a fragrance that that was something people had, and because I think it's no longer available. Um, um he, but the, I remember those those commercials from it as being as a kid. I don't remember it, that one, but I do remember some high karate commercials. Yeah, Whereas, it was from the '60s yeah, through the '80s in the United States and United Kingdom, but uh, the UK. Has got started making it again in 2014. The, the ah, high karate. Really? So then I went back and I looked, and there's one with Bobby Riggs, of Bobby Riggs, Billie Jean King fame, and he's kind of self-deprecating himself. It's like you don't want to be the number one women's player in the world. You want to be a chauvinistic male, and but when I go out and splash on high karate, I can be a 55 year old sex symbol, and all the women come running to him because that was like the hallmark of those commercials. Was like you splash something on, and then you know, the women would come running to you. So, and the, um, not the very hidden, sexist at all. No. And the hidden joke there was that I think Bobby Riggs, I mean, they had that whole thing planned because he didn't think it was fair that the women tennis players, you know, weren't making even fractionally what men were making. So they did that whole thing as a publicity, publicity stunt. stunt. Yeah. And, and, and Riggs was actually, I mean, he and Billy Jean King really planned that whole thing out. And it worked. Yes, because it was the biggest talk, one of the biggest talked about sports moments of that era until the like the Olympic men's hockey team in 1980. Yeah, and he kind of knocked it off for the biggest story, you know, in that kind of era. The you know the era that we're talking about in this podcast, the 70s and the 80s. Yeah. Hmm. And high karate was it was a budget after shave sold. Um, so what was up going on with the aftershave back then? We had, uh, do you remember Men in Skin Bracer? There was Old Spice, High Karate, yep. Brute. What, what was the deal? Why my was dad everybody... was a was a men, was a Men in Man for whatever reason. Aqua Velva. Aqua Velva, yes. Well, why were we you? Why were we drinking the stuff? What were we doing with it back then? <laughs> well, and then there's like a pre. I think the electric razor had just come into vogue. And so to prep your skin for that, because then even Old Spice had a like a shaving cream and a kind of like an electric razor pre-shave. So either one is we needed some kind of skin prep for our skin or more likely companies saw a potential revenue stream and we'll just sell something to them that they need that they don't really need, but we'll sell it to them and we'll have. We'll just flood the air with advertisements. And then, of course, if one company's making money with it, 
everybody jumps on board. And so just I like would... there's always the low budget thing. So I guess that's why that maybe, you know, me, Mr. Sophisticated here. And I don't, you can't see the eye roll on podcast. Um, <laughs> but that's maybe why I never heard of it. When I was a kid, I thought that when you went to the barber shop and those combs did that thing, I always thought those were like being dipped in a big thing of aqua bella or, or whatever. Remember it was green or blue? I yeah, always yeah. thought that, that was what was in there. <laughs> well, now that you've broached the subject, what was that liquid? I thought it was scope. <laughs> <laughs> it was obviously some kind of disinfectant or potentially the Yeah. It's got to be. It looks delicious. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> looks like the um, hard Mountain Dew. Well, now that we're done with those commercials, let's get back to Bo and Luke Duke. Looks like they're stuck in a jump midway across the ravine. Looks a lot like last week's jump. Let's see how they're going to handle this one. Just a good old boy, never meaning no harm. Beats all you never saw, been in trouble with the law since the day they was born. Straightening the curves, flattening the hills. Someday the mountain might get them, but the law never will. Making their way. Just a little bit more than the normal Just a good old boy. And he said, I walked by and it's Waylon Jennings sitting there. And my dad said, so I, I stopped and I said, excuse me, are you Waylon Jennings? And he said, well, yes, sir, I am. And he tried to make it to his feet, but by then his, his body had just, you know, failed him so much he could barely get up. And uh, he said, I sat down next to him and we talked about guitars for a while. You'd never guess. He was like this southern gentleman, you know, type character. And uh, he said, we, we sat there and talked for about an hour until whoever was helping him was getting pissed off at me for because that other person, you know, they, they need to do turnover. They need to get people out the door so they can help a second one to make a living. And so uh, he said, and then I never saw him again. A little while after that, he passed away. So yeah, he passed. He did that open, the, the, yeah, the opening song he did, which is. I guess he was forty-two when they when he did that. The opening song, I, was, I guess, is what I read. Wow! Um, and I picked that when we drafted uh, top five theme songs from the seventies and eighties. I think the theme for the Dukes of Hazard was one of mine because it. It hit like number one on the country charts when they released the uh, 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 like a live or a, a commercial release of it. They added another verse, another chorus. They changed the lyrics to the last verse to do an inside joke about where they keep they won't show my hands and face on TV. Um, and they kicked mm. up the bass, and it ended up being one on the country charts. I think in the top like twenty of the Billboard charts. Yeah, it, it, it was a cool song. It was a great song. Yeah. One of the 90s groups, maybe not Green Day, I can't remember, one of them redid it, and it was actually pretty good. Maybe it was The Killers, I can't remember. But um, Waylon Jennings was listed, his credit on the show was Balladeer, because you know how he narrated? I don't know why they didn't call him the narrator, but they called him the Balladeer, which is... Well, because he would, I guess, sing too, because they yeah, they chose guitar, and then they would, whenever they would like freeze frame, like the car... The general is just leaving the dirt pile, right? Conveniently yep. placed the dirt pile to jump. And then he would make some kind of, you know, pun or joke or I don't know how the Duke boys are gonna get out of this one or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. They almost ran that car that that seventy challenger or whatever it was, they almost ran that car into it into distinction or uh, instinction because Extinction. they used so many of them. <laughs> they used three hundred and nine. Yeah. Where they even had to get 68s and put an extra piece in the grill to make it look like a 69, because back then cars stayed the same, except they'd always change one little thing. And then when you're with old guys, they'd be like, "That's a 57, this, and yeah, that's a 58, yeah. that," because they would, you know, there's nothing else to do back then. They had a whole stare year at cars. For, yeah, and they had a whole year for that particular year model to burn into their memory. And so my dad has instant recall. Well. You know, the 54s, it had, like, uh, one extra screw in the lens cap there. And... <laughs> well, they, they said they tried using 1970s Challengers, and Brian, you, but they said they it, they, w it was they too... They could go 
It, it, too much yeah. work, yeah, to convert it. 70 was a significant redesign, mainly for NASCAR, because they moved the rear glass, because in the 68s and 69s, it would, at highways, at NASCAR speeds, it would cause rear lift, and so oh. they had to change the rear windshield, and so that kind of started to change things. And so, <laughs> see, that was, my thing of loving this, is, is I was kind of a car guy, and I was a Dodge car guy, and so a TV show that's going to fe- feature a 69 Dodge Charger, I'm in, okay, regardless so... of what... So what two vehicles, Brian's our car guy here, if you haven't guessed here, folks. And yeah. Brian, what two vehicles did, let's see how much you know, what two vehicles did Daisy Duke drive in the series? So Daisy started out in a yellow with a black striped uh, Plymouth Roadrunner. I think it was from like 73, 74. It wasn't the original Roadrunner from like 68. It was like a 73 or 74. And then there was an episode where I remember them, like the, her cousins, the Duke boys, pushing it off a cliff or something like that. So yep. then she started showing up in a like a Jeep, like a Jeep CJ or whatever called Dixie. I remember that. Yeah. I missed the. I love that yellow on that color. I like that too. That was the a yellow cool. Roadrunner. Her her Jeep was cool. It was a 1980 Jeep CJ7, and um, that was really cool too. But I I do miss the Roadrunner. That was a cool car. If, yeah, yeah. If you watched it too, you I think the. The Jeep they had, sometimes they'd have the doors on, sometimes they'd have the doors off. It'd have different roll bars. So I think they used different yep. Jeeps during the course. Because not only did they go through like 309 Chargers, they had about 350 cars in total. Yep. Between the squad cars were old, like either LAPD cars or California Highway Patrol squad cars. And they would go through those. Not bad as the Blues Brothers going through squad cars. But <laughs> yeah, they went through a lot. But it was that, that 74 Roadrunner and then, yeah, the 80 Jeep. I just remember it as being a Jeep. Yeah, and I, I, heard that, I heard that Bo and Luke were going to be in a uh, Volkswagen van, but they they went against it because they wanted to have them slide across the, the hood. <laughs> so the slide, that, I, I heard flat, a story once. That, show you. Go ahead. Yeah, the, the, the sliding across the hood wasn't originally meant to be in there, but one time when um, Tom Wolpat, I can't remember if he was Luke or Bo, I think he was Luke, Tom Wolpat, was running in front of the car and slipped and like fell onto the hood and then caught his um, shoulder or something on the antenna. So it kind of spun him around. And so future episodes, they removed the antenna. So you'll notice it doesn't have a front antenna so that he could slide oh. across. And that became so popular that he would do it a lot. And then I tried doing it once with Chris Moody's dart and he got mad at me because he's worried that the little um, rivets in your jeans would scratch up his car, so I never did that again. <laughs> that happened to my dad's 82 Riv. He had a brand spanking new 82 Riv, and I put a big gouge in the hood. Yeah. And that so, never happened again. <laughs> I apologize to Chris then. I apologize to him again now. I didn't mean to do that to your car. <laughs> Those rivets will get you every time, man. <laughs> <laughs> so... So, so Friday night, so, you know, our last podcast, we covered uh, Lou Ferrigno versus Christopher Reeves, who kind of did the Incredible Hulk. So Friday nights, depending, like here in the Midwest, it was 7 o'clock was Hulk, 8 o'clock was Dukes of Hazard, and then 9 o'clock was Dallas. So I think we all, I would kind of, I'd watch the Tal- Dallas theme song and then I'd kind of tap out, go play some floor hockey after that or something, but... <laughs> well, really yeah, because like... we were young then when it first came out. If it started as a you know winter replacement series uh, in January of '79, so we would have been eight nine years old then. And so yeah, nine o'clock. It's like your parents are already getting on you to 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 go to bed. I was um, able to watch that whole sweep. I watched it every week, even Dallas. I I loved that show. Uh, <laughs> I did. And uh, so I watched it. Uh, I watched that whole sweep every single week. Three great shows right in a row. Three hours, nonetheless, of great shows right in a row. Yeah, and it's weird that year after year, all three of them would stay on the air, so they didn't really change the lineup and stuff. That was pretty, you know, because they're all popular. Appealing to, appealing to three totally different, you know. We'd never see that now, yeah. It would be, yeah, now they always never have. See it now. Yep. That's just crazy. They always link things together so they can they can hold viewership throughout that that entire sweep. But back then they, you know, they didn't necessarily do that all the time. So, uh, well, you know, a they, guy that was watching the Dukes of Hazard wasn't necessarily going to be watching Dallas, but I did. Well, back then when you had less choices and less remote controls, pretty much you'd set it on a channel, and leave it there for yeah. the night. Yeah. <laughs> well, we didn't have that many channels. Right. And, you know, so much choices. Are, yeah, exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Now it's, it's, 
you know, for the first half of the season, uh, and they only they don't do the, the you know twenty seven show seasons anymore either. It's like twelve shows. So the first six shows, be, you know, before they go away for their winter hiatus, is on you know Tuesday at eight, and then when they come back, it's on Thursday at nine, and and they just mosh it around. But now they're like really targeting audiences because there's so many choices. Where yeah, you group together shows for an audience to try to capture them, the same audience because you are segmented the audience out so much. Yeah. What was your favorite episode, Brian, of the Dukes of Hazard? It's a great question that I wasn't prepared for. Um, <laughs> I really like the episode where uh, some out-of-town crook is going to pull a robbery, right? The Duke boys get blamed. They spend the rest of the hour trying to clear their names. Uh, the General Lee flies through the air, and some squad cars crash. I like that episode. I, th- I think I remember that one episode like over and over again. Yeah, <laughs> I, I remember the one that that crazy cooter kept on coming at you. Crazy cooter coming. So, at you. did you notice he was in the first season? He had like a beard, and he was scruffy, and they didn't. He didn't own Cooter's Garage, or they never mentioned Cooter's Garage in the first season. And you're right. like, what is this? And he's crazier. Yeah, and I was like, what is this guy, a meth dealer or what? And it, <laughs> and then they kind of calmed him. They made him shave, and then he had Cooter's Garage, and then they were always like, you're an honorary Duke boy. He really, like, chilled out after the first season. I kind of like the first <laughs> season better, though, because you didn't. he was mysterious, like, yeah. You remember that one episode where the show uh, wasn't sensitive to the sensibilities of African Americans? <laughs> <laughs> I think I remember that episode also over and over again. <laughs> I, it, it was hard to believe it was even one, on the air. One African-American character, reoccurring character, and he was like the sheriff of Chickasaw County or, or something like that, and he wasn't corrupt like Roscoe P. Coltrane was, um, but he could still not capture the Duke boys, but he was always in like the Chickasaw County line, he'd be like waiting for him there, and then when something go wrong, he'd kick his car. And that was like the only African American character Cleveland I can Little? remember. Was that... I don't know if it was or not. It, it, it just seems like that was Cleveland Little to me for some for some reason, but could be wrong. And then, uh, and then we had Enos. Remember, he went and did his a year of his own TV show. That was, I think, yeah. it was thirteen <laughs> episodes, bad. maybe. Yeah. So that shows you how quickly this became a big hit. It was ended up being like the number two show in the country for a while. Is it debuted as a replacement in January of seventy nine, and by the fall of eighty, they had a spinoff series already. This Enos Enos one that yeah, I think it that had like a season or so, and then it just never caught on. The guy that played he, Roscoe was in an episode of uh, of. Um... Murder Shoe? Andy Griffith the other day. No, oh. Andy Griffith was before, you know, obviously before Dukes, but he played a like a, one of Andy's buddies that played the guitar. Huh. Came into town, was picking and grinning. And it was so funny because he's, he's standing on the corner playing guitar and everybody's gathered around him. And, you know, it, it was just him playing guitar, but yet you could hear a bass and a piano and, uh, <laughs> you know, somebody playing the, you know, the the jug or whatever in the background. But, Oh, plus it was electric guitar, and here he's playing an acoustic guitar. But yeah, he he played in an episode of Annie Griffith where he was kind of like one of the buddies that came back to town to and visit him. A funny thing I looked up. Do you know he was his that actor that played Roscoe was four years older than the actor that played Boss Hog. Boss Hog oh, was really? the actor that played Boss Hog was only forty nine in the first season. <laughs> Denver Pyle, right? No, Denver Pyle. Denver Pyle played Uncle Jesse. Oh, that was Uncle Jesse. Yeah. Charles Brook was Foss Hogg, and I've seen him then in other roles too, where he it just it, it, you don't think it's the same actor because of how he's just the way he's playing it, where he played Foss Hogg. Uh, the storyline was that Foss Hogg was married to Roscoe Peter Coltrane's sister, and you'd think, well, that's such a huge age difference in looking at him, but yeah, when in actuality they were that close in age where that would work out. Huh. Lulu, yeah, I never heard that. his wife's name was Lulu. I remember that. Yeah, Lulu. Yeah, and she got along with Daisy. She got along with Daisy Duke really good, even though Boss Hog kept firing. We forgot to mention the episode where he fired Daisy Duke every episode. <laughs> <laughs> or right, or they had a speed trap for some country act or some musician going through town, and they'd have to play at the at the Hog's Nest for or free. the Boar's Nest at the end for free to get out of their ticket. 
And I think that was more a way to just pad out an episode where they didn't have enough material. Like when the um, bad guys that were, had done something and the Dukes accidentally figured out what was going on and captured them when that ran short, that they had to pad out an episode. So then they had a, diff- they, like, a bunch of different, usually country artists that ended up playing a song at the end of the show. What was Daisy's job in that show? I think she was a waitress at the Boar's oh, Nest. Right. At the Boar's Nest, yep. yep. <laughs> and so I, did I mean, did Bo and Luke have a job? Pardon me. Did Bo and Luke have a job? No, <laughs> no. So they were, they were on pro- even doing anything. They were on probation, probation from running Moonshine, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So they couldn't have guns. So they always would have bow and arrows, and they'd have dynamite. <laughs> Yep. And it's like, how are you in probation where you can't get a gun, but you have this ample supply of dynamite? <laughs> and it holds true today. You can't have a gun, so people go out and buy a gun. <laughs> it's <laughs> Yeah, I kind of like that. And then they had compound bowls, which were pretty pretty new for the time. <laughs> but the yeah, time... they were Hunger games before the Hunger Games. Yeah. <laughs> so Well, and just awesome shots, right? They open up the trunk, pull out the bow and arrow. 350 yards, flaming bow and arrow starts a you know grass fire or whatever, or like the one little tiny hairy bell, or or blows up a car, or hits a gas tank, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, they did have a job in uh, season five. They left to go do NASCAR, so that and for some reason, Coy and Vance came in that same day. They left to go yes. do NASCAR. I think I think the reason was called salary dispute. Yeah. Oh, is that what that was? Yeah, they didn't want to pay uh, the Tom royalties, Lopad, right? John Schneider, like, and and yeah, royalties or salary or something. So there's a contract dispute. So then all of a sudden, mysteriously, they're on the NASCAR circuit. These two replacements, just like you know, central casting to replace the two of them, come in. And then when they clear up the salary dispute, all of a sudden, with little fanfare, those two are just gone. They're like in the episode, and then before the first commercial, they're gone, never to be seen again. And and the Tom Wolpat, John Schneider characters are back. And that's about the time I lost interest. And I was trying to think, was it because of the salary dispute? They're changing the characters because it was kind of a character-driven show? Plus, how many ways can you do the formula that we talked about without it just becoming redundant, which it had? Or was it the fact that now we're getting into our teen years and we got plenty of other interests? Yeah, I think it was all three. Yep. And then when they... See, that's the problem. They left and they never mentioned them again. Because they had to go take care of a sick relative all of a sudden, and I don't know why Bo and Luke came back from NASCAR on the same day, or why they had to both go on the same day. But Bo and Luke were off with Chrissy Snow somewhere. There you and, go. You know, yeah, yeah. That's the, that's had to be it. They were off with Chrissy Snow, and Chrissy was phoning it in, and then she'd hand up phone off to Bo and Luke, and then they'd call home, and they just couldn't hold that. <laughs> we should write and do an episode where we all these characters that leave shows early that they got together somewhere and, and yeah. do like a dialogue well, well which show was on the air longer enos or she's the sheriff with uh chrissy snow which one they both were off right away like the ropers didn't oh, last very long either Free <laughs> the crowd was another one you know that and the ropers i mean there's a whole bunch of them that didn't last you know last long because well, and for different reasons. I mean, the, the the Ropers, I don't think that they left for the same reason that uh, Suzanne Summers left the show, but, uh, you know. Well, now looking back on it, they would make, have uh, someone do like a seven-show series to pick up at you know after Christmas when the shows that get canceled during the first half of the year to be ready for replacement. So that was what a lot of these were is you have a known entity and you're just going to try to see if it works. If it works great, you got a hit on your hand. If it doesn't work, you know, you just throw it away and go on to the next one. Yeah, yeah so, exactly. So let me say one more thing about Coy and Vance. Do you guys think it would be better or worse? What if they just would have called them Bo and Luke and then somebody would say, well, you guys look you guys look a little different today or something. And you know what I mean? Just kept the same name. Would that be better or worse, do you think? Just wink at the camera. It's like, oh, I just didn't, didn't get enough sleep last night. <laughs> that's what they did in Roseanne when they had the two daughters. Yep, there were two daughters, Becky. So when they when they brought the show back, they had both of them in the show, and then they're like, "How do how are we going to do this?" And they decided, "Who cares? Let's just have fun with it." And so you know, they have one daughter, Becky. I think was Becky the one that left the show. I think so. I think so. 
Yeah, they're and they're like talking to one another, and John Goodman walks by, like, what, what is going on here? It's like a Twilight Zone type thing. But no, I think I prefer I that. I think Coy and Vance were brought in to be scabs because you know, uh, Wolpat and what's the other guy's name uh, were holding off the money. Snyder. And uh, it, there was always a hope that they would come back. And uh, so I, I don't think that they could have ever gave them the same name unless they decided to take a hard line and, and just fire those guys. Yeah. But that was that never happened. I don't think that it was ever, you know, not money, a hope to bring them back. Yeah, too much money to be made in that era when there was so little competition. Yeah. And and since I'm obsessed with ages, uh, do you know how, how old John Schneider was when the season's series started? 28. That's how old uh, Bo, or that's how old Tom Wolpat was. Tom Wolpat was 28. Yeah, John Schneider was 19 when that show started. Wow, <laughs> man. Yeah, they the, in the story, the um, Tom Wolpat character was the older cousin, and he had gone off to the Marine Corps or something like that. While the other cousin was like still in high school, um, so that's they explain the age difference there. I don't yeah, think 19. back then they either had summer series either. Like nowadays, they have you know they have all their winter shows and stuff like that. But in the summer, they have shows that just run during the summer, like you know, like Survivor or American Idol or whatever it is. And then um, you know those shows aren't on during the winter. And you know, back yeah. then they didn't do that. Oh, they used to have reruns, and then you'd almost like yeah. you'd use the reruns to then build up to the next season, almost like re- replay parts of the last season, like select episodes ending with the last two, you know, the penultimate and then the ultimate episode before they'd start the fall season. Exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now everyone binge-watches everything, so that's kind of, someone will binge-watch the whole season before the next season of something comes out, and so they, they're not going to do that anymore. And like you said, that there, there was, you know, 20 some show seasons back then and uh you know now they're showing reruns like three weeks after the first one ran yeah and that's what the dukes of hazard should have done when coin vance came on they had four seasons of reruns at that point they could have just put reruns on when when the yeah i mean they're already were reusing car jumps because they broke so many cars you could tell it's like the stock footage jumps were being used for the general lead. it's like boy um different scene of the same formula and then the car would jump the same dirt pile and everything and yeah they would cut that scene every time those cars landed you could see the axle just buckle like the and the, yeah. they would cut it right at that second like right when it just went to hell like yeah and then the front end of the car would always like mash upwards when it landed you know it yeah mm-hmm. and so, you know frame. yeah bend the frame up and you know i think when they jumped those cars they they still used them somehow. They kept them around for parts or, or you know, tack them together to make jump cars out of them or whatever they did. As an aside to j- cars jumping, so a World Rally car, and they have much better suspensions, they were going to attempt to break the longest jump for a vehicle. And so it jumped, right? And then however long it was, 275, 300 feet, when it landed, it landed so hard, like you said, it buckles the hood and everything, but the windshield broke. It was that much force, even with a much better suspension. So it's obviously a regular, you know, stock car that isn't going to survive all these jumps. Yeah, sometimes those jump, you know, they cut away, and, you know, the, the Duke brothers were, were bracing for this hard jump, and it would be in the air, and you'd see, like, one guy in the guitar, in the car with a helmet on, you know, yeah. coming down, and they would land, and then both of them were in the car doing this, you know. <laughs> we we just we didn't notice stuff like that when we were kids, um, right? Yeah, we were we weren't that, just oh, a car's flying. Maybe that'll yeah, do that exactly. next time we're coming home from the Piggly Wiggly. Well, at least and then <laughs> Night Rider Night Rider was trying to compete, and they would ju- he wouldn't have a landing ramp like he would go off this huge jump, and then you would just see uh what's his what's the actor's name uh Hasselhoff Hasselhoff would just kind of shake for a second. Like when they landed, I was like, "Come on, you just jumped 500 feet and you just shook for a second. Yeah. It's like, it's like, <laughs> Michael, you almost tore my dick off on that jump. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, kid. <laughs> well, that was kind of part of the end of the Dukes of Hazard is that Knight Rider was doing these same car things and more modern technological versus the same we've already seen the General Lee jump, you know, 55 times. 
Yeah, or how many ever episodes they had. I think there's one episode that generally didn't appear in, but 146, 147 episodes, so 146 times you've seen the generally jump, and it's like, and the car chases in the gravel get to be, you know, pretty formulatic as well. Um, I like to go through and read one star reviews of things just to get a laugh out of things that I enjoyed or thought were good. And online, this is a very highly rated show, even now with people buying the, the retro DVDs and stuff like that. Lots of you know 4.8 stars out of five. And the, I couldn't find any funny one stars or two stars, but I did find a couple that kind of go with what I'm thinking of it. Um, so be creative with an eight in, in there for the eight part gave it a one star and said, I forgot how redundant and silly every show was. How did I like this show as a kid? Oh, that's right. This was before cable and VCRs. Very limited choices, which is kind of what we talked about is there wasn't much else on. So they could get away with the formula because people eyeballs were turning into it. And like you said, they were leading into Dallas and you like Dallas. So they, you'd watch it. And then wasn't it uh, more about our, wasn't it more about though, that, our sense, our sensibilities weren't sharpened by then, you know, as kids. As a ten-year-old, it's pretty cool. Oh, you're getting away from, you know, because us, you know, good, upstanding citizens would never run from the law or anything like that. Mm. So it's oh, they're running from the law and they're getting away with it. And yeah, that, to me, that I, might to be me, it. I just didn't know any better. That's that's <laughs> what it was for me. I just didn't know any better. But go ahead. So then. Oh, Augie uh, gave it two stars and said, I used to be thoroughly entertained by the Dukes of Hazard when I was a child. I do not know what has changed, but I don't enjoy it any longer, nor does my husband or children. Come on, Augie. This was a waste of money. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> now, if I was to watch it now, I would still watch it for the 69 Dodge Charger. And for Will and Jennings, little quips leading out to advertisement. And you know what you're getting out of the show. Yeah, like Jim said, you know what you're getting when you go into it. And yeah. I've, I've been going back, you know, to study for this. I was kind of rewatching. I was really impressed with how deep of a world, like they had, we didn't even talk about Cletus. Remember Cletus? He was Boss Hogg's cousin that also worked, kind of took over for Enos a little bit. And um, there was just so many side characters. It was kind of a deep world. Like they had Lulu and, you know, everybody. Side characters and guest stars. Lots yep. of guest stars. Um, we didn't talk about Huey Hogg, his nephew. Um, Huey Hogg. <laughs> yeah, wasn't yeah, he? Huey. Yeah, he was named little... after the helicopter or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they had Flash the dog. Yeah, it was a pretty deep, they had a pretty deep world. <laughs> Do you think the dog was added after um, Smokey and the Bandit when Jerry Lee Reed character and smoking the bandit had that dog with him when he was running the the coors back um to florida uh he had a dog with him too that just would mope around it's like the same type of dog even yeah i, I was gonna do i wanted just to do a whole episode where we do the the tv show knockoffs of the movie so i don't think this wasn't a knockoff of smoking the bandit they said there was actually a movie called moonshiners i guess that this was based on yeah that had the same characters so, and stuff same names so I read once in Hot Rod or Motor Trend or Magazine the story of the person they based that Moonshiners off of. He had a, six, a 58 Chrysler 300 where he modified the springs so that when it had a trunk full of moonshine, it would still sit level. And then he would run from the revenuers. And when they looked at the gas pedal, because when he pushed the gas pedal down so hard, it had bent over the little rod that holds it in place because he'd be mashing the gas so hard. And he named it Traveler which was the name of uh, Robert E. Lee, the general, uh, Confederate general's, you know, stately white horse that he would always be riding. So then, oh, yeah. So then that became a movie. I remember reading a story about it in like, Hot Rod or Motor Trend, and then that movie kind of became the basis for the Dukes of Hazard. but then they start changing the names, I guess, like General Lee tested higher than Traveler, because most people don't know anymore who Traveler was. And then I do remember once there was a spoof in Elton Brown's Good Eats, and he was meeting someone at the Mason-Dixon line because he was going to trade uh, New York-style corned beef for something Southern. I don't remember what it was. And so he showed up in a car like 
named the General Grant that was blue with the Union flag on the top and met oh. someone in a, in a General Lee, and I thought that was kind of funny. Oh, that's pretty <laughs> funny. Yeah, and I guess some some stations won't show it now because of the – I mean, it's, just, it's too bad they can't superimpose an American flag on top of the car. No, yeah. Yeah, there was a This American Life episode where there were these two African American kids that grew up in New York City and loved that show as a kid and would have the toys with the you know Confederate flag, the Rebel battle flag on top, and then it didn't dawn on them right at that age because it was just a toy with the show, but how that that's being used as a symbol in a popular American TV show. They were just like yeah. us as you know nine year olds. You know, oh, there's a car chase and this car's so cool, and they have to jump in through the doors because the doors are welded shut. And you don't think of the the, the connotations of what that battle flag means. Yeah. I, I think the movie, the the Johnny Knoxville movie, had an American flag on top, right? I can't remember now. I I didn't really watch it. I yeah, I never watched it. <laughs> so, how about to get us out of here, Jim? Could you do a what's the noise, Roscoe? the actor would make a noise that he made to his little kids. So he'd make a cuckoo. It was anytime he got excited. And he'd go, I'm your superior officer. Cuckoo. Yeah. <laughs> well, then he'd also call like boss hog is my, my little, you know, shiny Chrome dome or my little, uh, yeah. Oh, I forgot about mom. that. Yeah. And you, you know, boss, the actor that played boss hog would, uh, and I think to be in the age we were, he would not allow his to kill anybody or do any drug stories. The actor that played boss. Oh, really? Yeah. So it made it more of a PG, you know, our age group, you know, appropriate. Yeah. Everything was PG except uh, Catherine Box outfits. Yeah, she's maybe, the... maybe that's why Bo and Luke had to go on vacation because they they were they were doing heroin on too many episodes, you know, shooting up and stuff like that, and. Well, and then you, that's a good point. And then Daisy Duke was, you know, she, you know, she's the in the lexicon. She's the only one TV character to have a uh, a clothing named after her. And um, oh yeah, it was kind of funny when I was watching when Coy and Vance came on, and even Bo and Luke, like when they were helping her out of the car, they they would get pretty friendly for being a cousin, like helping her out, like <laughs> grabbing her all over. It was, and, yeah. it was set in the south. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There was a lot of cousins in that show. I mean, so you got Uncle Jesse, who's apparently not a father to any of the three cousins who aren't brothers or sisters, any of them. And then Coy and Vance come in, and they're not brothers, and they're not. (laughs) A lot of cousins going on there. That, I guess, didn't surprise me. I have um, 39 cousins on my dad's side, so to have a lot of cousins, it's not, to me, any kind of weird thing. 39 cousins. Wow. Yeah. Oof. My dad had more. My dad, I think, had seventy-five because his his father was one of twelve. Oh man, that's a lot of kids. Um, one other thing that it's like you think about now is that era, the seventies. It was just kind of coming out of the sixties, where the good guys wore white and the bad guys wore black. So then, Boss Hogg, the crooked county commissioner, or whatever he actually was—I don't even know what his official title was, right? I can't remember it. Would always be in this, you know, t- white suit, white hat you know, look like the good guy. And then he's got his finger in every scheme in town. (laughs) Yeah. In the first couple seasons, Bo always wore either blue or a blue checkered shirt. And then, uh, Luke, or I screwed it up. Bo would wear the cream colored shirt. And then Luke wore the blue, uh, every checker. Yeah. Yeah. Blue or blue checker. (laughs) All right, gentlemen. Well, as we mentioned, folks, uh, the Dukes of Hazard always had a musical guest at the end. So today we got something special cooked up for you. We got a number one song from April of 1972 versus a number one song of, from April 1982, so 40 and 50 years ago. Uh, you can play along and yell at your Bluetooth speaker or what have you and try to guess the songs as Brian and Jim do. Here we go. So guys, I got two songs here. One of them was number one in April. I guess I didn't really specify the weeks too much, but one of them was number one in April of 1972, and one of them was number one in April of 1982. So that would be, what, 40 and 50 years ago, if I did it right? So um, so do you have any... Let's hear your guesses. Jim, do you have any guesses what... Uh, I mean, for, let's start out with 1972. Who do you think is going to be number one in 72? What song, Jim? 
on the on the pop chart? Yeah, Billboard is what I went with. Billboard chart. I'm gonna go with uh, my pick from last week, uh, the the dawning of the age of Aquarius. Oh, okay, that's gonna be right in there. What do, what do you think, Brian? So I went. Um, my, I have a theme for both my my fifty year ago one and my forty year ago one. The first theme is. Uh, interesting voices and then the second theme is is ballads and so for 1972 it's bill withers and lean on me Ooh. Mm. Ooh, i like you know he had, a bill lot withers more had an outstanding ever... voice and lean on me is a fantastic ballad he had a lot more hits than i ever realized that I, he had i really love uh ain't no sunshine yes yeah that's a good one yeah. i like uh gonna be uh how'd that go a something day a lovely day yeah, yes. oh, yeah, Lovely Day is fantastic as well. And then he's and then the hard one where uh what's the other I like those two songs. He's known for his two songs, uh Lean On Me and just the two of us. I don't like those as much as the two songs you guys just mentioned. Those are both really good. Okay. I forgot just the two of us. It's a great song too. So you guys you guys both had excellent uh picks, but it's uh you're both wrong. <laughs> heard that when they were younger thought that was neil young singing i just heard that recently people thought it was neil young with the big neil young current controversy lately and people people are going i don't even like that song a horse with no name and it's like well that's good because it's not him <laughs> yeah exactly and i, I had to remind myself that, you're right it sounds just like him but yeah. i never i never made that connection now that's, that's... go ahead jim I was going to say, that's that's one of the only two songs that can be played the entire way through with only two chords, two guitar chords, E minor and a E minor suspended type thing. But there's not very many songs that are, are two two chords the entire song. Now, <laughs> if the 1982 number one hit is the other one, then we'll really have something. You said there's only two songs. <laughs> <laughs> it might be now that I'm thinking about it. Um, I'm thinking that 82 might be Old Mickey or a Video Killed the Radio Star or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, what's your guess, Brian? So for 1982, I also went to Unique Voices. He's got a voice that's um, so unique and strange. I don't know if it's any good or not. Uh, but it's the timeless Willie Nelson and Always on My Mind, another fantastic ballad. Okay. And I should mention that was, that was America, America that sang that a horse with no name. Now, was that like their own? Were they, were they a one-hit wonder? Did they have another hit oh, that we would know? I, like they're like Bill I Withers. I love their top five songs. At least they have a. Well, according to Apple, their top five songs are "Horse with No Name," "Sister Golden Hair," which was produced. Oh yes, that was produced by the. Uh, that had the fifth Beatle. I can never remember that guy's name that produced the Beatles. That was his. He... Mike Lynn. Okay, thank you. Or Jeff Lynn. <laughs> And what about number three is Ventura Highway. Oh, yes. That's very that, good okay, song. So they're not a one-hit wonder. And then Tin Man, Lonely People, You Can Do Magic. Yep. So they have a lot of good ones. <laughs> Might be only two chords. Yeah, yeah. And I could tell it wouldn't be long. It was with 
be honest. Who thought that was Pinky Tuscadero when that song came out? <laughs> she kind of looks like her in the picture, I think. That's a... mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> the haircut, especially, yeah. <laughs> was that Pat Benatar's first hit, or was Hit Me With Your Best Shot? This is actually Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. Oh, Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, because that's how... Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. Leave that in there so I can you can show my 1982 musical knowledge is terrible. <laughs> you Whoa. know what? That's an easy that's do, an easy mistake to make. Though. Do you think anybody would mix up which song was from 82 and which song was on from 72 out of those two? <laughs> Probably not. There's a lot of like women in rock. Really started. I think Heart kind of broke those doors down, but there's a lot of early 80s songs with women. Yes, um, which was great. So how many Heart, chords Pat were Pat how Pat many Pat chords Pat were in that? Debbie oh. Harry. Go ahead, Mike. Well, I was going to say, how many chords were in that song, Jim? Uh, mm, 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 three. <laughs> Two chord, three, three chords, and then the, the chorus just plays them in reverse. So, yeah, like I said, uh, you can really tell which one was 1972, which one was 1982. Um, the whole disco era fit in between those two. Yeah. So yeah. So let's go. Who who wins out of the who wins seventy two or eighty two out of those two for you, Jim? Um. Oh, that's a hard one. Um. I would have to go uh, seventy two. Okay, and Brian, I think I know which way you're voting. And I'm gonna surprise you because of those two songs. I actually would go with the eighty two one. I don't know if Ugh. it's just something about America and that, you know, it's like. Why listen to a Neil Young imitation when you could just go listen to the real thing in 72? So I'm going to go with uh, Joan Jett and the Black Hawks there. That surprised me. You guys both went the – I'm going to go America, <laughs> a horse with no name. Um, and it's not really Joan Jett's fault, I think, that song – well, both those songs got played to death, I think. Um, but, yeah, I'm just going to go – maybe I've just heard that song too much, but I'm going to go with uh, a horse with no name. So – it's two against one, but they both put up a good fight. You know, I was going to say that, uh, talking about Heart a little bit earlier, and when you when you sit down and you listen to Heart and, and some of their songs, you know, retrospectively, the, they were so killer, so killer good. She's an amazing guitar player, which I never really knew until recently. Um, but, my God, their voice is like crazy on you that, that – uh, those those powerful notes she hits, those guys had it going on. Yeah, an era before auto tune and all that. Uh, yeah, fantastic vocals with from power. Them. You know, power yeah. she had, amazing, and still has actually. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, she What's was one of. Heart song? She was well. I was just gonna say, um, recently Jay Leno's garage, they had. Oh, now I can't remember which one it was. It was Anne or Nancy. One of the, um, one of the sisters on, and you know, Jay Leno drives around with a, a star and a car or something. And of course, they had a Barracuda. And I think Barracuda might be one of my, my favorite songs by heart. I think yeah, so too. That's a great song. So Mike? they they were the Wilsons, right? So they related to Anne and Nancy Wilson or whatever. Yeah. So they related yeah. to Brian Wilson somehow. Don't oh, I didn't know. That. I thought they were. I thought that was their hook. I don't know. Could be. I just didn't know that. Well, they're related to Wilson Phillips somehow. I don't know. <laughs> no, that's Brian Wilson's related to Wilson Phillips, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Maybe that's it. Okay. There's Mike. We like. We're not afraid to make mistakes here. So. <laughs> I remember when that album came out? That Wilson Phillips album. I was living in Colorado and just moved in with my girlfriend in this like 1910, 1912 big huge house, and there were three women roommates upstairs and they played that thing over and over and over again until i finally went up and i knocked on the door and i said i'm gonna break that fucking disc my god because <laughs> <laughs> not only was i getting it there but i was getting it at work from it being on the radio every 10 minutes i was just like fuck i'm gonna go crazy Tell that baby, are you gonna let him hold you down and make you cry? Don't you know? 
Folks, this has been another episode of the 70s versus the 80s. You can always reach us at the 70s versus the 80s podcast on Facebook. Uh, we have some special episodes coming up. I know we're going to have a Top Gun versus Maverick, I think in May, when the Maverick movie, if it ever comes out. So look forward to that. And we got some other episodes coming up too. Until next time.